Hey there, it's Alex. Just a really quick announcement before we get started here. We were totally booked out for our Cost of Glory Rome retreat this summer, 2024, June 30th through July 7th. But we've managed to make some adjustments and we've found room for another one or two slots. So if you're interested in visiting the great sites of Rome, discussing the merits of Rome's greatest men with me, and also improving as a speaker with the insights of ancient rhetoric and a whole lot of live practice and discussion, check out the retreat website at costofglory.com retreat. Hope to see you in Rome. Okay, now for the episode. If you've considered learning ancient Greek, or even if you're interested in working on the skills you've already developed, in ancient Greek, a reminder to reach out via email to alex at ancientlifecoach.com with the word Greek in the subject line. We're working on a new project to help Greek learners out, and we'd like to keep you posted about that and get your feedback if you're willing to share it. Now then, welcome to another episode of The Cost of Glory, where it is our mission to retell Plutarch's lives, the most influential biographies ever written, in order to sharpen ourselves for the present. A shorter episode this week. I've got a good message from Plutarch for you, short and sweet. And I've also got news, the official announcement and teaser of the next biography pair. I'll start with a good message. We've already met one of Plutarch's Roman friends, Pacius, who was a senator, hounded by clients and other needy people, harassed by adversaries and rivals. Plutarch wrote his work On Tranquility of Mind, to Pacius. And what I've got for you today comes from an essay written for a different Roman senator friend by Plutarch. If you related to Pacius as he was trying to keep calm and centered in his busy, hectic social and political life, well, the essay that today's exhortation comes from would have been just as useful for a man like Pacius as it was for its actual addressee. It's called On How to Profit by One's Enemies. It was for another busy man named Cornelius Pulcare. Now, Pulcare was another peacetime leader. Plutarch was, of course, writing in a great period of relative calm and peace in the early Roman Empire, the Pax Romana. But don't think for a second that a guy like Cornelius Pulcare didn't have serious enemies, or that Plutarch didn't, for that matter. Cornelius Pulcare has a Roman name, but he came from a prominent family of the Greek city of Epidaurus, near Argos, near Corinth. Epidaurus, or Epidavros, is across the Saronic Gulf from Athens. Pulcare, maybe his family were Romans originally, more likely they were upper-class Greeks who took on a Roman name. That happened a lot. Either way, Plutarch writes to him in Greek. Now, Cornelius Pulcare's city... Epidaurus ran a great healing cult for the god Asclepius. It was a pilgrimage site, kind of like Lourdes is today in southwest France. And people would visit this site and hope to be visited by the god Asclepius in a dream, and then maybe have a miraculous healing while they stayed there. They would find reputable doctors there too, often. You always want to hedge your bets. The gods help those who help themselves, of course. But a lot of these out-of-towners came from very far away, and they were very wealthy, and some people just came to have a good time, just to have some good clean fun, watch some games. They had religious festivals there with 
horse races and athletic contests and theater shows and so on. So a lot of money came through that place. And Pulcare was one of the dignitaries who could help you out if you needed something while you were there. He also sponsored the games often. These festivals, they were expensive to put on, and there was no way you could recoup your money in cash as a sponsor. It was just your duty. In return, you got respect, connections, you could get people to vote for you, support your causes here and there, that kind of thing. Pulcare even sponsored games in Corinth. That was where the governor of the province sat at that time. So we're getting to how a guy like Cornelius Pulcare could make enemies in life. Well, a man of that kind of high station in society, he's always got some dependent or client in need or someone he owes a favor. Maybe that person gets into trouble, gets into a lawsuit. Pulcare's got to plead in court on behalf of this client, maybe. And let's say the guy he's in a lawsuit against is another powerful man like him, another patron. And it's a zero-sum game. And you know, if you win in this court case and that guy loses, well, you might just have made an enemy for a long time or even for life who resents you and wants to undermine you any chance he gets. So that's one way he could make an enemy. Pulcare also had an official post in the Roman administration at one point. He took a turn as a procurator. That's chief tax collector, among other duties. So right away there, you know, the guy had some enemies from his official duties, too. So it's not hard to imagine some scenarios how this guy could make some enemies. And keep on imagining, you know, that Pulcare and his type of people would sometimes travel to Rome and they had audiences with great senators or maybe even the emperor himself, because they did, people of that station in life. And they had competing interests with rivals at court. And of course they had enemies, people who could do them real mischief, even in peacetime. And in general, as Plutarch points out to his friend in the treatise, nobody who's involved in anything serious for very long is going to accomplish anything without making an enemy or two. And he tells a little story about Chilon of Sparta, Plutarch does. Chilon was one of the seven sages of Greece. And we talked about this in a recent philosophical email. Sign up for those at ancientlifecoach.com. So, as Plutarch tells us, a man was once proudly claiming that in all of Greece he had no enemies. And Chilon was there, and he gave the man a puzzled look and asked him, but then, do you have any friends? So, that's what Plutarch tells about Chilon. Now, do you ever consider it a mark of good character if everyone likes you or if everyone likes someone else? Well, Chilon seemed to think that having friends and having enemies went hand in hand. What about yourself? Are you vying for a position at work, trying to land a big contract, competing with other salespeople? Perhaps it's political enemies. Perhaps it's the other political party. Or maybe you've got a rival lover. Well, just like you, Cornelius Pulcare could have read some of Plutarch's biographies for encouragement. Biographies about some of the great heroes who struggled greatly against their own rivals who were from his region, for example, like Aratus of Sicyon, leader of the Achaeans, which is a biography I've been reading lately myself, and I highly recommend it. But Plutarch decided to give Pulcare a whole treatise on the subject of benefiting from your enemies. So you wonder if this guy, Cornelius Pulcare, was actually a nice guy at heart who worried about people not liking him and Plutarch sensed that, maybe, and he thought, well, what he really needs to learn is how to toughen up. He was going to have enemies as a man of his station, so he might as well enjoy the fact. 
And enemies, for one thing, lead us to behave ourselves better, he says. And here's a quote. As Plutarch tells Cornelius, For just as states which are chastened by border warfare and continual campaigning become well content with good order and sound government, so persons who have been compelled on account of enmities to practice soberness of living, to guard against indolence and contemptuousness, and to let some good purpose prompt each act, are insensibly led by force of habit to make no mistakes, and are made orderly in their behavior, even if reason cooperate but slightly. End quote. So in other words there, an enemy can force your system into a state of alert competence, and you don't even need any philosophical arguments or moralizing podcasts to snap you to attention. Just going to read that last part again. I think it's worth repeating. So persons who have been compelled on account of enmities to practice soberness of living, to guard against indolence and contemptuousness, and to let some good purpose prompt each act, are insensibly led by force of habit to make no mistakes, and are made orderly in their behavior, even if reason cooperate but slightly. And a little further down, Plutarch explains why this is. For it is a peculiar mark of vice, he says, that we feel more ashamed of our faults before our enemies than before our friends. And he goes on, this is the ground of Scipio Nasica's remark. When some expressed their belief that the power of the Romans was now secure, inasmuch as the Carthaginians had been annihilated and the Achaeans reduced to subjection, Nay, Scipio said, now is our position really dangerous, since we have left for ourselves none to make us either afraid or ashamed. End quote. So give thanks today for your enemies or your competition. They might help you achieve what you failed to do with philosophy alone. And Scipio Nasica, that we have that quote from, well, he lived in that troubled period of Roman history in the late 2nd century BC, a couple of generations after the Romans defeated the Carthaginian Hannibal and later destroyed Carthage itself. A troubled period, the time when one of the subjects of the next pair of biographies we're going to do came of age. Coming up next, part one, scheduled to drop three weeks from today, is the life of Pyrrhus, king of Epirus in Greece. And, after that, his Roman counterpart, Gaius Marius, scourge of Jugurtha, mentor of Sertorius. It's a great pair. Pyrrhus was the first great Greek warrior king that the Romans met on the battlefield. He wasn't the last. And Pyrrhus met them long before the Romans and Carthaginians made enemies of each other. And Pyrrhus's life, like Marius's, tested the limits of ambition. Both men smashed through the boundaries of what was considered possible, thinkable even, for men of their age. And a special treat we're working on for this next pair is some original music that comes from one of the regions where these events take place. So, stay strong, stay tuned, stay ancient. Until next time, this is Alex Petkus.